1: Hello and welcome to this week's CER podcast. My name is Sam Lowe. I'm a Senior Research Fellow at the Centre for European Reform based in London. And I'm very happy to be joined today by Elisabetta Cornago, who's our new Research Fellow focusing on climate and and the economics of climate adaptation and the like. Uh, Elisabetta, hello.
0: Hi, Sam. Very nice to, to be here and nice to join you on this podcast. How are you? I'm all good. Weather in Brussels is not as great, but that's what you get.
1: (laughs) Right, yes. Yeah, it's sort of, it's it's very changeable here in London. It's it's, it's rain, hail, then sun, all in the space of about 20 minutes. But uh, uh, enough enough of the weather. Uh, So, so, so Elisabetta, you've joined the CER recently. Could you tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, what you're interested in?
0: Sure. Um, As you can hear from my accent, uh, I'm Italian, uh, but I've now left Italy, I was a bit bored Ten years ago, twelve years ago, in fact, I think uh, to you know finish up my studies here in Brussels. In fact, um, I did I did a PhD in economics focusing on uh, environmental and energy policy issues. Um, so so that that kind of interest you know uh, has, has been there for a while. After finishing my studies, I moved to Paris uh, to work at the OECD uh, on, on again environmental policy questions. A pretty broad range from urban policy uh, for for transports to uh, behavioral insights for more effective policies, and more recently I worked also at the International Energy Agency on uh, energy efficiency and and other things like that. So I'd say it's been a while now uh, for me to to work on uh, topics related to climate change mitigation, covering you know everything from from transport to to buildings to to other things in between.
1: Great, and we're very very. Uh, privilege to have you working with us now um, and this week you published your first piece called how to decarbonize EU road transport without summoning the gilets jaunes which is is quite a fun title I, I like the use of the word uh, summoning <laughs> it's <laughs> exactly funny. it's kind
0: of ex- trying to exercise I guess the threat
1: <laughs> yeah it, exactly so so, so what, what led you to write about uh, road transport to begin with
0: Yes, such a, such a sexy uh, topic, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, especially, you know, for me, I'm like someone who full disclosure doesn't even uh, own a, a driver's license, so I guess um, that's uh, that's that's an interesting perspective. Yes. Uh,
1: but but you yeah.
0: know, jokes aside, um, uh, so no, I think uh, road transport is interesting, and then transport in general is an interesting uh, sector to look at uh, because of let's say the weight it has in terms of uh, greenhouse gas emissions, and because it's been a trickier sector in terms of decarbonization so far, right? And so what this means is that, you know, in the EU, uh, transport is in fact the largest emitter aside from energy uh, generation. And it accounts for over 25% of greenhouse gas emissions. And in fact, this has not been getting better in the sense that emissions from transport are, uh, are the only ones or the only sector which has seen increasing emissions since 1990. So the trend is not going in the direction we need, right, to meet. Uh, climate action targets and so i thought let's take a look at uh, what we need to do to reverse these trends and, uh, and 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 try and you know meet what are now more ambitious uh, climate action goals
1: and, and you sort of mentioned that it's been very hard to deal with it'd be hard to to abate and i suppose this is the link to the the summoning of the gilets jaunes is it, why do you think that is is it just because It's difficult to get right with the public, the messaging is difficult, or is it because it requires uh, further thinking about uh, when it comes to the mitigation of the downsides?
0: Yeah, that's a good question. I think there are several factors. So on one hand, as you say, I think it's certainly a very sensitive issue with the public, right, in the sense that I think transport mobility is a, is a very, you know, uh, basic necessity we have, we, we need to get to work, we need to, you know, uh, go go about town, to, to go to school and then do our errands. And so, especially in areas where public transport is not, you know, as well organized or pervasive or, or really there at all as a, as a decent option, then uh, we we need to rely on uh, on our own cars. And so any type of policy that tries to to cut down emission by increasing the price of driving through let's say fuel taxes or carbon pricing, then that's obviously uh, a big no uh, politically. And uh, and that's what happened, uh, you know, with the gilets jaunes uh, in France. And on, on the other side, I'd say. There's also the fact that, you know, I guess because of this, the approach so far, both by the European Commission and by by member states, has been to not use price signals as much to try and push forward a shift to to lower carbon transport options and rather rely on uh, things like vehicle emission standards. So, you know, putting down milestones for automotive manufacturers to try and get their cars, design their cars in a more and more fuel efficient way. Uh, as, as we but this is forward. going to change,
1: right? And, and I suppose that's what you're looking at in your piece.
0: Exactly. So we are at a bit of a, a crossroads uh, in a way in the sense that, precisely because, you know, the the, the EU has just approved uh, this, this more ambitious climate action goals for 2030 and, and 2050, then, you know, there needs to be then a step change also in the policies we put in place to actually meet, meet those targets. And the, I would say most, most important step change seems to be that uh, the commission is suggesting to expand carbon pricing to cover road transport. Uh, what does this mean? It means that, you know, while so far there was not such a clear price signal on the emissions that we cause when we drive our car or our moped and so on, this is going to change if this proposal, uh, which is going to be tabled over the summer, is indeed approved by the member states and, and parliament. But of course, what this means is that there is going to be a um, an increase, right, in the cost of driving. And so, how to get that right? Uh, because on one hand, uh, from from the economic point of view, it makes sense to have the polluters pay, and to you know put a, a clear price signal on the pollution that one causes uh, while driving but on the other hand as we said from the social point of view from the political point of view it's very difficult and it's important to design this type of policy in a way that it doesn't hurt vulnerable households, particularly in areas where driving really is the only option to, to go about.
1: How do, you, how do you even go about extending carbon pricing to transports? I mean I suppose the obvious way is you just you just tax gasoline a lot but, but I don't think that's the proposal here is it? We're thinking about extending the emissions trading scheme Exactly, yeah.
0: So there are a couple of things, let's say, on the table. Uh, The main, I guess, novelty is that um, there's going to be a, uh, or I mean, again, we're talking about proposals, right? Or we're talking about pre-proposals that are being discussed before seeing them black and white. So, you know, uh, let's take them with a pinch of salt. But still, uh, what the commission has been suggesting is that they will likely create a separate uh, emission trading scheme. So, you know, something similar to to what is currently existing in europe covering uh, energy generation and, and heavy industry but that covers only uh road transport and energy consumption associated to heating and so so what that means is that you know there's going to be a, a separate cap uh, on, on on the emissions associated with road transport and there's going to be a number of allowances allocated uh to to this sector and then uh and then these allowances can be traded and, and as such are going to have a price and so that's that price is going to then so, so, ultimately so, so. hit the consumer right? So who, who, the yeah,
1: yeah but who's going to pay for this is it going to be the producers of the cars uh
0: this is going to be um this is going to be again from what, what the commission has been setting initially it's going to be heating uh let's say uh, upstream right so the the, uh-huh, right. the fuel uh you know producers and refiners uh so but you know Oh, let's say that's the touch point of the, uh, of the policy by design, but then eventually, you know, the, the price increase is going to, uh, you know, trickle down to, to yes. the consumer. so, so it ultimately
1: yeah. lands on consumers, and I suppose the fear here is that such a measure will end up being quite regressive, in that it hits poor people harder on a relative basis than those who are more well off, and going back to your reference, the Julie Jean reference, this this could potentially fuel some sort of backlash. But but you have some ideas on how to ensure that backlash doesn't happen, right?
0: Exactly. Yeah, and I think um, you know there are there are ways, and in a way, this this thinking around. How to use revenues from carbon pricing in a way that that offsets the the, the negative impact of increased prices is something that's already in place even in the existing ETS, uh, because in the existing ETS or emission trading system, part of the revenues are actually dedicated to a fund uh, that that helps out uh, lower income member states to modernize their energy um, uh, infrastructure. and So I'm, I'm thinking of something similar that could be done with revenues from these new road transport related uh, carbon pricing system so uh, we could envisage the, the creation of, of a fund uh that that you know transfers parts of these revenues to again lower income member states or, or perhaps regions to, to be a bit more targeted to support the investment in um, uh, low carbon uh, transport infrastructure so think you know uh, networks of of um, uh, chargers for electric vehicles, uh, think uh, bike lanes, uh, think also potentially uh, incentive schemes to support the replacement of fuel inefficient cars uh, with, with, with more efficient ones. Um, so that could be one way. And that is, I would say, a transfer towards, as I said, lower income regions. But another way would be to create some kind of carbon dividend uh, transfer, as has been done in other countries like, like Canada, for example. Uh, targeting more specifically lower income um, households. And so this would be a check, basically, right? That a set of, of households uh, that can be defined w- with respect to, to, to income uh, with, n- income definitions receive as you know income support because they are going to be bearing a disproportionate burden of the increase in,
1: uh,
0: in fuel prices. So
1: these are- And these checks could be signed by whoever the energy commissioner is at the time or something.
0: Yeah, whoever wants to take the the merit of uh, of the yeah, check, whoever right? Whoever wants to take the
1: political <laughs> the political credit for delivering it? It's, I suppose because because understandably you've been focusing on what the EU can do in this area, but it's one of those areas where I think there are you know there are going to be hard limits on what the EU can do as an institution to offset any regressive implications associated with this policy of introducing carbon pricing to transport in this i i wonder if there's also going to have to be a coordinating function to ensure that member states also have another look at their own taxation system to see if that could help offset uh, the sort of tax burden more generally
0: absolutely yeah and that's exactly another one of the the measures that are on the table um so the the commission is is planning to revise the, the current energy taxation directive and that covers you know, it's it's a bit broader, right? Than road transport, it covers everything from electricity to heating, uh, fuel taxation to uh, transport, uh, you know, uh, fuel taxation. And so, with respect to um, to these type of changes, I think there's going to be a negotiation to try and get then the overall level of these price increases right, uh, to, not to be too burdensome at the pump. And so there, there needs to be a coordination between, as you said. The carbon price, which is going to uh, derive from an EU level policy, this this new ETS that applies to road transport, and the national policy like uh, fuel taxes, which are in fact today very different um, across the European member states, as well as across types of fuels, uh, as well as uh, between also you know households and and industry, they face different uh, taxation levels as well as different prices. So in fact, one of the aims of of this reform is to Try and harmonize a bit more uh, tax levels, you know, whatever that means. That, that's a bit of a, uh, you know, vague statement, I guess. Uh, Seems like at-
1: harmonization and tax policy in an EU context. <laughs> exactly. I start, I start to shiver.
0: Exactly. Um, but at the same time, you know, I think one point uh, that's that's going to be, I mean, on paper, an easy win, politically perhaps a bit tougher to, to, to work out, uh, is the removal of uh Hidden or not so hidden fossil fuel subsidies, right, mm-hmm. um, which are nested here and there in in, in the various national fiscal systems, and that's that's basically removing those uh, lower uh, fuel tax rates, which are nicely granted to to certain sectors, uh, from agriculture to other, you know, uh, specific uh, sectors of the economy that have managed to to reap these uh, these nice discounts basically on on the final fuel price. So sure. those things basically have to go. Uh, yeah. If if the polluter has to pay, right? Because this is ultimately the rationale of putting in carbon uh, prices yeah.
1: and um uh, I suppose uh, that's the big question, isn't it? So the, the EU is, you know, introducing carbon pricing probably to the, to the road transport sector. Is it going to work? Are you optimistic, you know, do 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 you, do you think this is going to be a successful initiative when it comes to carbon reduction? Do you think they're going to manage the backlash and it's and it, and it's going to lead to a greener tomorrow?
0: That's a very good question, uh, especially as it includes optimism, uh, which I don't know, I, I guess mixed, mixed feelings. So it could work if, as I said, if you know, upfront when, when the proposal is tabled, there is a discussion around how revenues are going to be used. Because carbon pricing per se is, is, uh, uh, can be regressive. But if it's designed in a decent way, you know, building upon suggestions like, like the ones I'm, I'm proposing here, it can, on the other hand, be a progressive tool. So, if presented like that and if talked through like that, I think it could work out. Um, at the same time, uh, you know, this is a very delicate moment for the entire European economy, and so thinking about increasing uh, the, the price of fuel at the pump is not exactly the most exciting, I guess, policy venture. That, that
1: well, it's, quite, politicians... it's quite exciting. I'm not sure. I'm not. I'm not sure how, <laughs> of its popularity.
0: <laughs> yes, exactly. No, I, you are right. Um, and so you know, let's say from the accessibility perspective, I, I definitely see uh, but the concern, but I think it's a it's a challenge that needs to be met ultimately mm-hmm. because you know the, the, the sector has not been doing its homework so far. Uh, and you know if, if we want to, to to meet our climate targets, then there needs to be a serious discussion about the role of, of road transport. But you know, with that, I think, the, the, the EU and member states shouldn't only think about carbon pricing, and ultimately, also you know the reason why this type of thing is regressive is because if people have no alternative to driving, then you know they just have to pay a higher price. So another way to make this type of policy more progressive is to actually provide alternatives to people, and mm-hmm. the way you do that is by investing in clean transport options. And so that's yeah. you know also a good feedback, moment.
1: This was some of the feedback I saw on Twitter to your piece, which was some people saying yes, this is, this is good, but also we, you know, the sectors affected are going to need a lot of money to help them adapt. And some of this might be special pleading from, <laughs> from some of those sectors, but yeah. I think what you're saying here is that, that, that more investment is needed.
0: Sure. And so I agree with you, you know, what type of investment are we talking about? I can see the role of public investment in um, networks. So again, that's from, mm-hmm. from, let's say, charging stations to public transport, strengthening railways. Um, when it comes to, supporting the automotive sector in making the leap towards uh, electrification that might be a bit again more difficult uh politically uh but there there has to there has to be a discussion
1: yeah okay great so 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 what i've got from you on this is is as ever not an easy solution but there's some conditional optimism that it could be effective and it could work so long as the policy is designed correctly is that a fair summary (laughs)
0: <laughs> that is a fair summary. I guess it's a bit, you know, the story of policy in general. Yeah, yeah. Design it is, is everything. Like <laughs> yes, but it's a fair summary. Okay.
1: You, so, so, so so, thank you. And, and for people listening, if they haven't read the piece, they can find it on our website. And I would very much recommend having a look. Uh, before we go, there's just one more thing I wanted to ask you. And I know this is something you're going to be writing about in the future. What's going on with the carbon price in Europe at the moment? Because, you know, I sort of pay very little attention, but occasionally have a look. And it seems to me that, that carbon suddenly got much more expensive.
0: Yes, that's that's exactly the case. Uh, so the, the price of carbon allowances on on this EU ETS, this European emission trading scheme I was mentioning a while ago, has been reaching uh, 50 euros per tonne. And that's really unprecedented. And it's been a very fast increase. Uh, it's basically doubled uh, with respect to, to six months ago. And it's really. You know, unprecedented also in the sense that since uh, this 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 emission trading system was put in place, uh, prices were really not that much of a worry. I guess for the Mm -hmm. for the sectors uh, that that the system covers, which are energy generation and you know some heavy uh, manufacturing sectors like cement, um, steel, and, and, and chemicals. Why is that? Because they were very very low. Embarrassingly low, uh, in fact, for a long while. And the reason that that, that was uh, that was the case is because the the number of allowances on the market basically was way too high, and that led to, to reforms of the system. So these reforms, you know, partly worked in the sense that now the number of allowances on the market reflects a bit better uh, the emissions that are actually coming out of these sectors. But at the same time, what has prompted these price hike really? is the reaction of, of uh, market actors ultimately to the recent announcements in terms of new, more ambitious climate action targets. So things are getting real, I guess. That's what the markets are perceiving. Um, you know, 2030 is really fairly close. Um, uh, 2050 uh, you know, is, is not that far either. And we're talking about net zero carbon emissions by that horizon. And so if that's serious, and, and it seems to be the case, given that there has now been agreement on these objectives, then we are going towards a tighter cap on emissions and a tighter cap means uh, higher carbon pricing. So that brings us here. And Um,
1: and and I imagine the politics of that gets slightly trickier. I've I've seen increased calls for something that I work on, uh, the carbon border adjustment mechanism as a result. But you're going to be right about this in future and I look forward to reading it. Thank you very much for participating in your first CER podcast. I hope it was a pleasant experience.
0: Definitely. Thanks so much,
1: Sam. Wonderful. And uh, we will see or talk to everyone again soon. Bye-bye.
0: Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the CER podcast. If you have any feedback for us or want to leave suggestions for a future episode, then you can find us on Twitter at CER underscore EU.